Our Lord, how thankful we are for a morning like this, where we get to gather in a building and to worship, to find refuge here, uh, to find truth here, to find you, O oh God, most of all here. We are so thankful for your coming into the world and rescuing us and redeeming us. Remind us to stay afresh of that great uh, work. May it never be um, casual for us or ordinary. This is a wonder that we are able to sit here before God. And so thrill us with hope this day. Um, we pray that you would inspire our hearts to be able to live our lives in light of the great gospel of Christ. Help us even as we consider your word. Um, would you soften our hearts this day? They are often callous and hard, hard to hear. Our ears are often blocked, eyes blind to see. And so we pray that you might open all of that so that we might hear, see, believe your word, and uh, do what it says. Uh, we pray that the gospel would be the motivation for us. Help me as I preach. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Uh, my wife and I recently moved into a home not too far from here, just a few minutes away. Uh, moving into a new place uh, can be a very interesting time of life, right? It could be one of the best things ever, uh, but it can also be one of the worst things you experience ever. Uh, perhaps you've been there. In fact, I know that some of you are there right now. I know that some of you are looking for new places, new apartments, new homes to buy. And this is a, a busy season of life. It can be great and it can be horrible, right? Whether you're getting a new apartment, uh, buying a house, renting, or about to room with someone, it almost feels like it should be mandatory to have a counseling session when you go through seasons like this because you feel this rush of emotions, highs and lows, joys and hardship, all of these things fit in with this uh, movement of trying to find a place you can call home. In fact, I remember that when me and my wife were looking for a home uh, recently, uh, there was this one home that we saw, and we loved it. We thought for certain, this is the home that God has for us. And so we invested our emotions into it, uh, we invested our dreams into it, our hopes into this plot of land, this property. Uh, and I remember I started to make even, I, we didn't even put an offer, we didn't do anything. I started to make sketches of what renovations could look like. I had all these plans drawn up. I, I knew exactly where I was going to park my motorcycle, the one that Stephanie would eventually let me buy. I, I had all of these plans. I did research on the neighborhood and the district uh, until, maybe you've been there, I got the dreaded call that said, it's under contract, right? And some of you perhaps are there, and you feel the weight of that, and you sink until two days later, and you find something else. And then you, you, you start dreaming, you start hoping, you start sketching out plans, and then you get the dreaded phone call again. It's under contract. And you feel this, this rush of roller coaster-like emotions tied in with this thing, this physical property. And like a broken record, this thing keeps cycling over and over and over again. Have you been there? Uh, have you felt anything like that? Uh, once you actually say you do get to the point of finding a home, once you finally decide this is where I'm going to live, it still comes with highs and lows, joys and hardships. Uh, on the one hand, right, uh, you may be in this season of moving and repairing and doing all this work to get this house or home or apartment or whatever ready to live in. Uh, when we bought our house, it was a, I mean, it was a major fixer-upper. 
I mean, almost everything had to come out, structural beams, and there's termites eating all of wood, all the wood, the walls were coming out, the ceilings were coming out. I'm telling you, we just put curtains on the windows. I just put doorknobs on the doors just a few months ago. It was a mess. And so I was spending long days here, long nights there. Life was crazy. I was like a madman. I was like a zombie walking for six months. Uh, it could be physically taxing on you, right? can also be emotionally taxing on you because not only are you about to move into something new, you're also leaving something old, right? You're leaving memories and friendships and a neighborhood that you perhaps have loved. All these emotions tied into this moment, joys and hardships. Uh, you start packing with the intention of throwing everything out, but everything becomes treasure for you because they're tied into memories and now you have boxes and boxes full of junk that you're going to take into this new home, right? You have all of these emotions tied into this thing. Uh, moving into a home isn't easy. It comes with highs and lows. But on the other hand, what's, what's perhaps some of the highs that we get to experience or some of the joys in moving into a place? Sure, there is the excitement of getting perhaps a room and some furniture and painting the walls and doing all of that. Uh, but I think for us, I think for me, perhaps for you, it gives you a fresh opportunity now with new eyes, with fresh eyes to dream what could life be like here in this home. You start to imagine and dream what will happen here. Uh, what will be the memories that are formed and built within these walls? It makes you think, right? Uh, how many times will you laugh uncontrollably? with family and with friends over the silliest things in your living room? Uh, how many times will you have intriguing conversations with young ones and children and friends and all of these things at your dining table? How many times will, uh, how worn will the grass be in the backyard after you play football on it and soccer on it and there's a swing on it and all of this? How many memories are going to be formed on this plot of land? Uh, for however long God has you where you live right now, wherever you call home, one of the questions I want to ask is, how can you make the most of it? How can you make the most of where you call home? So I want to just say two things for us today, two quick things as we enter the fall this season, as we consider what life at home could look like for each of us, particularly even as we are going to launch GCMs again soon. Uh, what could home look like for us? Uh, two things that are for not just those looking for a home or who are in transition or looking to move, not just people in certain stages of life, all of us. Uh, what could home look like for us? Uh, to help us, two things, to reimagine, to reconsider what home is and how we can see it. And I, was to, I want us to be encouraged by these true truths, all right? So we'll jump right in. We're going to be in the book of Acts primarily, the, the scripture that Anu read for us. First, of these truths, first of these things that I want us to remember coming away from this sermon is that as you think about the address where you live, the actual physical location where you live, consider this simple truth. This is your home. Right? This is your home. Nothing profound there, right? Any one of us could say that. This, obviously, this is my home. I pay for it. I, I've spent money on it. I, I live there. This is my home. What do I mean when I say this is your home? Uh, hear these words from Acts 17. All right? I'm going to read again the passage that was read. I mean that this is your home, especially given by God to you. Hear these words from Acts 17. 
starting at verse 26. And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Hear this. The Bible here and in other places teaches us that where we live and when we live there does not simply happen by chance. Do you see that in the text? Where we live and when we live there, it does not simply happen by chance. I know we may think it is. I I know we may think it's matters of budget or needing more square footage or circumstance that landed me on Beechwood Road in Willow Grove. I know that's what I think landed me there. But God's word is telling us today that you live where you live now because God has determined that that is where you would live. That's where you would live. God determined it. Whatever brought you there, God determined that where you live is where you would live. Not by chance, not by circumstance, all right? And you've got to hear this because when you realize this, it actually changes the way that you turn around the corner and drive into your parking lot or neighborhood. It actually changes the way that you open your front door and walk in. It changes your whole perspective of where you live when you know that God actually wants you right there in this moment, in this time. Perhaps for many of us, every house or contract or rent or whatever that fell through, right? Every paperwork that you had to sign, every piece of ink that you had to spill, the money you couldn't make work for that place that you wanted, right? All of it, all of it, every joy and every pain and every circumstance along the way, they've all been given for you by God, intending for you to land exactly where you are right now. Uh, but for a moment, can we, can we be honest? Uh, we hear those words, but, I mean, moving into a place sounds great, uh, but what if where you live right now or where you might be moving to next isn't exactly an upgrade, right? What if it's not your dream home or what if it's not your dream job that's taking you there? Uh, we don't always move out of choice, We don't always move because we want to. Sometimes we do so because of necessity. And it's hard to do those things. It's less the dream home that we're pursuing and more the circumstances of life, the hard circumstances of life that have caused a change in our circumstance and situation. Uh, It may be not the neighborhood that you want to live in, right? or the square footage that you wanted, or the district you wanted. You may look at other homes and find yourself envying what others have as you look at your own home. Your home could be in in an upscale neighborhood with tree-lined streets, or it could be in a run-down, crime-infested, unappealing neighborhood that no one would ever want to live in, but you do. Our homes are not always the place we imagined God would have for us, are they? I mean, many things in life are not where we imagine God would have had us, including the places that we call home, right? But if God's word is true, he wants you there. He wants you there. In this moment, right now, on this day, in your location, he doesn't have you in the nice neighborhood because he thinks you're just awesome, right? 
And he doesn't have you in the bad neighborhood because he thinks you're awful and you deserve punishment. God has you where he wants you right now, in this moment of life. We don't know how long you'll be there. We don't know the years or months or days that you'll be there. But we do know that from God's word, from the book of Acts, he has determined the allotted period and boundaries of this, your dwelling place, your home. So what does that mean for you? Okay, God wants me here. What does that mean for me? It means a lot of things. It means that you can be present during every moment in your home in a way that is not wasted or second-guessed. You don't have to imagine that God made a mistake with having you where you are. It means that you can be purposeful with how you spend your days there. It means that you can be thankful because God has determined that this plot of land, this plot of land on earth is home base from which he's writing your story. He's not forgotten you where you are. He's not thought you to be all so great that you're writing your own story. God has you where you are. Home is home base from where he is writing your story. This is your home. Praise God, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, this is your home, purposely given to you by God. Okay, in this same passage, in verse 27, it says that, okay, this is your home, this is what God determines for you, but to do what? What do you do in this boundary, in this time and space? Verse 27 says that we are to seek God. To seek God. How do you seek God here in this, your home? I mean, there's many, many things that we can say, right? I mean, isn't that the Christian life, to seek God and everything that we do? There's so much that can be said, but I want to focus in on just one thing in particular that may be difficult for us to believe or to do, or both. Uh, one thing in particular. Listen, God gives us many gifts in this world to thoroughly enjoy. He's a good God. He is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And including the places that we call home, he wants us to enjoy these things. But he doesn't give them to us. Listen, he doesn't give them to us just so that we can make our entire lives about it and about us. Right? He doesn't give us homes, places to rest our head, to just make it about us and about the home itself. Okay? Uh, because we can take a verse like this that says we are to seek God in home, and we can be really spiritual about it, right? We can make it very religious and very spiritual. For example, we can say, okay, that means we must seek God by praying and worshiping and in our refuge, take us away from the rest of the world, and this is safe, this is refuge, this is, this is home away from everything else out there, right? And we can say this is where we find shelter and, and peace, and we push everything else away. And in one sense, yes, it's absolutely true. Seek God. Pray earnestly. Worship passionately. Let your homes be filled with prayer and song and Bible and gospel. Amen. Do all of that. But here's the thing. We can miss what else God intends for us in seeking God in our homes. It's all of that that we just said. But it is so much more than that. And what I want us to hear and see today is a vision of home that is far more having to do with our here and now, right now, physical location life that's just about me and my home, perhaps my family, 
or those closest to me. God's vision for where we live and why we live there and when we live there is so much bigger than we can actually think. When we think of our homes, we think of our comfort, right? Isn't that something that we crave? Our comfort, perhaps our privacy. Listen, if any of you know me, you know how introverted I am. You know I really appreciate my privacy, and I don't like talking to many people. That's just who I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, you, some of us like our privacy, right? We, we want to be sheltered and kept to ourselves. So something we value, we want to be entertained. We want to be safe. We want to be kept away from all the things out there. But listen, all of these things, our comfort, our entertainment, our privacy, our safety, listen, even our safety, it's actually not what God ultimately wants for us when we think of our home. I think all of these things are constructs of this, this sinful world that we live in that calls us to live for ourselves and about ourselves. But God, I think, has a much greater and better vision for this. As I've heard one person put it this week, your home is an invitation from God to seek God but also a commission from God to help others seek God. Seek God. But is your home allowing others as well to seek God? Uh, In living here, you get to make a home, your home, a home for others. Uh, Physically, perhaps for seasons, tangibly, but also probably more often emotionally and spiritually, uh, we get to make our home a home for others. Whether it's an apartment or a dorm room or a house or a townhome or a rent, whatever, we get to make our home a home for others. Uh, we live in a world that's filled with, in past days, MTV Cribs and now HGTV and reality television, all these shows that we love watching, right? Uh, what happens on these, show, on these shows? It's great. We're, my, me and my wife, we're addicted to them. Love Chip and Joanna. They're great. But home, listen... As much as the media would push, home is not a a place just to consume and to collect and to renovate and to show off your taste, right? I like myself a good throw and a nice pillow and a good painting on the wall, but home is not just a place where you show off your taste. Home is more. I mean, listen, home is so much more than a rec room, right? It's so much more than that farmhouse sink that you want, and hardwood floors, and paint on the wall, and curtains up. It's so much more than these things. It's so much more. I've finally got a lawn to cut, and I love cutting it. I mean, I spent so long getting those lines perfect. In fact, I put curves on the lines just to show off, and I make them so precise. When you walk up to my lawn, it's the best lawn on the road. Absolutely. No competition. All right? But I was thinking, if I put as much time as I do into making those lines on the lawn and caring about my lawn as I did the people who actually see it, I mean, mean, you, you think about that. If I put as much thought and care and time into that as I actually did the people who are staring at the lines and I'm just proud and from my own boastful, wouldn't that have an effect that's far greater than just being impressed with some lawn lines? If I actually spent my time and my money and my heart devoted to things that were just more than physical, tangible things, wouldn't you think that's more valuable? For some of us, right, our homes own us. The places we live, 
it actually owns us rather than we owning it. It determines what we do with our time and money. Uh, nothing will come in the way of it being spotless, especially not people who can totally mess it up and, and cause a mess and destruction. No expense will ever be spared to make it perfect. No discomfort will ever enter our homes because our place of refuge, our sanctuary, this is our safety from the world. This is where we veg out and we chill and we relax. And I get it more than anyone. Listen, especially this week, it was a long week. It was a hard week. All I wanted to do was go home, lay on the couch, and just completely numb out and not think about anything else. And we feel, I mean, I, I feel like I have weeks like that all the time. And there's questions to ask about my life and my schedule with that. Perhaps you do as well. We feel so worn out in life that it makes sense. Home feels like the place that we need to just go to and relax and not think about anything else in the world. It's natural for us, right? But I want you to hear this. If it's true that your home is where God wants you right now to seek him, okay, make that logical conclusion. If your home where you live right now is where God wants you to seek him, the passage says uh, to perhaps feel your way toward him and find him. If all that is true for you, isn't the, true, isn't the same thing true for your neighbor? If God wants you where you are, when you are, at the location that you are to seek him, isn't the same exact thing true for your neighbor? Isn't it just as true that God has appointed your neighbor to be where they are on that plot of land in this moment of time set within its boundaries to seek God, to somehow find their way to God and find him? It's true and if that's true, guess who God has placed right beside them? You. Right? If God has you where he wants you, and if he has them where they want them, and you are both to seek God, listen, it's not a mistake that you are where you are or your neighbor is where they are. Maybe God has placed you on the plot of land you live in to be his witness right in that spot, right on that acreage, right on that coordinate spot, on purpose, with intention. Listen, our homes are much more than structures that house our bodies and satisfy our desires. Your home could be an outpost for ministry rather than a retreat for ministry and mission. Your home can be an outpost for care and deliverance and gospel rather than a retreat from it. Your home could be a place for people to know God and love God more deeply. When you read through the Bible, especially in the New Testament, what do you see is true about the, the, the homes of gospel-believing people? What do you see there? Their homes were home base for ministry and mission. Their doors were always open. Their tables were always filled. Be it a neighbor, a stranger, a sojourner, someone who had no home, someone who had no providence of their own, their homes were always open. These Christians in the early church loved, fed, cared for these people, cared for their own, cared for people who were not their own. 
A home was not just a place for personal safety and spiritual growth, but these homes were beacons of light so that others might also find safety and know the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just about me and me receiving and me taking in, me enjoying, about my safety and my shelter. It was actually, look at all that I actually have I'm going to give this and let it radiate out and impact the lives of those around me. Uh, last night, uh, I was working to finish the sermon out of Dunkin' Donuts that's right around the corner from my house. As I was finishing up writing the sermon, uh, and as I'm walking out, I had this sudden thought. I'm about to walk up, I'm packed up, and I had this sudden thought. And it's nothing monumental, but in light of what I've been studying, I just thought... This is just a, a stone's throw away from my house. I thought, this is my home. This is home. And almost like, oh, duh, like, of course this is home. I suddenly had this thought that completely threw me. This is my home. These are the actual people that God has placed me among. The workers at the coffee shop. I kid you not, when I, when I started to walk out, the workers at the co coffee shop looked different to me after I thought that. And I walked out of there saying goodbye to them in a way that I never had before. I walked outside and looked around, stopped, looked around, realizing, my goodness, God has actually purposed me to be in this country, in this state, in this town, in this zip code, in this neighborhood, for the sake of others, to know him and to seek him, to follow him, to find him. And that thought, it's not profound. It's not very profound, to be honest. But the thought of it inspired my heart to consider, where do I live? And what will it mean for this neighborhood that I am here? Not as their savior, but to point them to a savior. What will it mean for us to consider the places that we live, God-appointed places for us in our life and in our ministry? Your home, listen, is your home appointed by God. Make great memories there. And seek God and help others to seek him too. All right? So this is your home. Very simply, this is your home. So first we said, when you think about your home, believe that. This is your home. Second, and almost conversely, when you think about your home, believe that this is your home, but also believe that this is not your home. Right? Believe that this is not your home. I don't mean that just in a literal sense for those of you with mortgages since the banks actually own your home. It's going to take 15 or 30 years before it's actually your home. I know it's depressing. I mean that in a different sense. Listen, whether you live there for five days or for five decades, your home, wherever you find yourself laying your head, is a temporary living arrangement. It's a temporary living arrangement for all of us. Why? Because Christians believe in a home beyond this earthly one. And in fact, it's a much better one. Here's what Philippians 3.20 says. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to hear this because we can run in two di different directions here. Right? When we hear that this is not our home, we can actually run in two different directions. One, uh, we can place our worth and value and purpose in the great homes that we have. Right? 
you're proud of your home and if you love it and you value it. We can place great worth and value and purpose in them. We'll accumulate and renovate more and more and perfect every single corner of it. Our homes give us value in our eyes and in the eyes of others. It's true. Uh, We can also go to another place. On the other end, uh, we can place our worth and value and purpose in the great homes that we don't have. The things that we wish we had. Uh, We'll envy and we'll grow bitter and do everything we can to do to find purpose there. We'll grow sorrowful and we will wonder why home is a place of lack. A place where God has forgotten me. But for these two places that we find ourselves in, for both of us, here in God's word, correction and hope. A lasting hope for today, awaiting one day. God tells us that there is a life after this one that is permanent and perfect and good. This is especially good news for me uh, because in this world to come, it's, an, it's one in which termites won't eat the wood in my house, right? Uh, one in which the foundation under your houses won't sink. Uh, one in wor- which pipes won't burst. Uh, none of that will happen. Uh, but what's more, what's so much more, it's a life in which sin and death doesn't exist anymore. And where we love one another perfectly, without envy or without boast, where the Lord Jesus, God himself, welcomes us in to an eternal home. It's so much better. Listen, the American dream is something that is going to be pushed for the entirety of our lives. Don't believe it. There is a better home. I thought about this a lot, even as Adam shared about Kerala. It's where my family is from in India. I thought about this a lot this week. Uh, Massive floods washed through the state and destroyed thousands and thousands of homes, killed hundreds and hundreds of lives. Uh, My own dad and mom, they were actually scheduled to fly out tomorrow to to Kerala to tend to their home before all of this happened. And they can't go there anymore because it's been severely affected. I was thinking of my, my people there in Kerala, my family there, the homes that have been affected there in India. Do you know how powerfully hopeful it would be for people who have just lost their homes to know that there is coming a restoration of all things, a restoration of everything, including our future home with God, and that our lives are not tied in worth and value and hope and security in our earthly homes, but there is coming a home for us that God is preparing Listen, the Christian faith is bigger than two-by-fours and drywall, manicured lawns and nice decks. It's so much bigger than that. If you are trusting in God and you have a place to live, how you trust in God and where you live, those two things should, should matter to each other and affect the other. Listen, the Christian faith is so much deeper, it's so much wider, it's so much more infinitely eternal than all of these things. If you don't trust in God, listen, God calls you to something that is deeper and wider and more eternal than all of the things that you see around you. Hear me. 
we can, we can tend to go to opposite sides, sides of the spectrum, right? Hear me. Just like we said before, it doesn't mean that we don't love our homes and beautify our homes and cherish them. Again, God has appointed you here wonderfully and beautifully with purpose to seek him. Uh, in my, even in my own, own home, I've planned to, to make it better and to keep it well kept and to clean it up and to renovate. We have plans for all of these things, and they're good and fine. God wants you to create wonderful memories in your homes and to welcome others into your living room that is filled with pictures on the wall and fluffy pillows on the couch and a hot cup of coffee, or if you're Indian, a hot cup of chaya in your hand, right? He wants you to experience and be nostalgic about all of those things. He wants it for you. But because our citizenship is in heaven, we hold these homes that we abide in with open and loose hands. Right? We, we love them. We thank God for them. We cherish them. We beautify them. We welcome people in and we laugh in them. We cry in them. But we hold them in our hands with open hands, loose hands, not holding on to it as if we have all of our worth and value and purpose tied up in this thing. So much so that in the Bible, that in Hebrews 10, 34, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, this is what it says. Even when the homes of Christians are being destroyed and robbed, here's what Hebrews 10, 34 says. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and a more abiding one. How could you be joyful when your house is being destroyed and robbed? Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. We have a more permanent one, a better possession, a more lasting and abiding home in God. There is a home that God is preparing for those who trust in Christ. It's a better possession. It's an eternal one that will never rot. So yes, this is your home. Uh, but in a very real sense, in an eternal, in a more important sense, this is not your home. It's not. Friends, as we close, I'd like to just point us to a reality that may shock you, uh, but it's a reality that also this day gives us great hope. Great, great hope. God has, in his grace and love for you, given you homes to live in. He has graciously done that for you. But do you know what Jesus Christ has also done for you? Jesus, hear this, who is the eternal and perfect God, whose beauty cannot be compared with, who has created the world and all of the materials from which homes are built, who has appointed the time and place for your earthly homes to be lived in by you, this God, left his eternal home in the glories of heaven and became homeless. He became homeless in this broken world so that we who are spiritually homeless, spiritually impoverished, could one day be brought home to him. Would you think of that? God has left his eternal home beautiful and glory became homeless for you who are homeless so that you might have a home. This is what God has done. Uh, the Bible says 
that Jesus says, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. But Jesus, when he came to this earth, he had nowhere to lay his head. He was functionally homeless. He was a wanderer. God became homeless for you. But not only that, he's done so much more. Think of the love of God. In order to forgive your sins and to make you right with him, this homeless king was killed on a piece of wood created by him with nails driven into hands and feet that were formed by him, buried into a tomb that was carved out by him. All for what? So that you could have an eternal and abiding home after this life. We read in the beginning that Jesus Christ was God, but he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself to the point of death on the cross so that you might be made one with him, have an eternal home with him. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the hope of those who believe in Jesus. So listen, as we seek to live in our homes and to seek God, may it be Jesus' sacrifice and love for us that causes us to live in a way that is so much more than just about us. May that be the motivation for how we consider our homes. As we relaunch GCMs this fall, consider how your home can be an outpost for ministry and for mission. A place where those who know God and don't know God might know him more and deeply and believe in him. Change the entire trajectory of their lives so that one day they might have a home to abide in that is eternal and not rotting. We rejoice today, Seven Mile Road, because the home you abide in is your home. But we rejoice infinitely more because in God's goodness and love for you, it's not your home. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for giving us homes to lay our heads in, to cover our heads from the elements and to keep us warm at night. You've given us living rooms and kitchens to eat and dwell in. We, we have been blessed immensely. No matter how many square feet we might have or not have, whatever our lot in life we may find ourselves in today, you have been kind to us. And you have set out the boundaries and the times in which we would live in this earth, the exact places that we live. And so we pray that our hearts would be thankful for that, considerate of that, but not just that, that we would consider the ways in which you have come into this world, leaving your eternal home, that we might one day have a home that is beyond this one. Cause this to drive us to mission and to love and to care and to sacrifice in ways that are not like man, but like God, in ways that are like Christ, sacrificial, even to the point of giving up himself. God, would you make us God-like in the sense that we would give up everything and consider the other better than us. You've done it for us. Help us to do it for others, we pray. It's in Christ's name. Amen.